Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. All right, and welcome back. Podcast 469, Kurt Mortensen here. This is Maximize Your Influence. Today, we're going into those top deception techniques, that trickery, the cheating. Are we allowed to talk about this? Of course we are. We have to understand deception, why people do it. Is it an art, science, a little bit of both? Not teaching about deception for you to do it, to be more aware of it. Maybe you cross the line here and there. Let's talk about it. Hope everyone's having a great week, achieving your goals, becoming more persuasive, influential, getting more tools in your persuasion toolbox. Remember, most people only have four or five tools. If you can just add a couple more tools, every time you listen to the podcast, you apply it, you use it, that's what makes the difference. It's no secret that most CEOs have a sales and marketing background. You got to learn it somewhere. We all sell, we all persuade. As parents, teachers, leaders, managers, let's get into it. So let's dive into our persuasion this week, Ninja. I was with some bun. They went to, it was an Arby's actually, a fast food restaurant. And you think with a fast food restaurant, you know, there's teenagers working there, not a lot of ownership. But uh, this person had a big bill, a $100 bill. They must have just opened or something because they couldn't change a $100 bill. And they had already made the food. The bag was right there. Well, we can't cash this. He's like, well, <laughs> this is what I have. And then he started to negotiate. He says, well, I have $11. I think the bill was like $19, something like that. And uh, he had some change and had some bills. It wasn't enough to cover the bill. They negotiated back and forth and got it. And I call it the ninja because we need to ask more. Everything's negotiable. Even at a fast food restaurant, you think, no, that's the price. And especially for North Americans, for some reason, they just don't negotiate. That's a blunder right there. To where, oh, that's the price, you pay it. And most cultures around the world know the price is the starting point. It doesn't matter if you're buying a dress or a suit, ask for a tie, ask for free socks, ask for something. Just ask. And I have to learn this lesson again and again, just ask. Sometimes we're just like, hands tied, they can't do anything. You'd be surprised. And what if they say no? At least you ask, at least you're practicing. But sometimes they say, yes, you get a better deal, a free pair of socks, a free tie, free shoes, whatever it is, free undercoating for your car, even though we don't even know really what that is. So learn just to ask, no matter where you're at. Even if you think your hands are tied, there's nothing they can do. And that's one I've added to my toolbox is, is that the best you can do? Or if the service isn't good, how are you going to make this right? Just ask, just ask, just ask. That is the ninja. Now let's dive into that geeky scholarly article. This is from the Journal of Experimental Social Psychology and ScienceDirect.com on being happy and gullible, how mood affects our skepticism and the detection of deception, <laughs> okay? So there's also the Organizational Behavior and Human Decision-Making Processes Journal. I'm sure you've already read that one this month, but anyway, <laughs> they found, and we've talked about this before, but this takes a deeper dive, that when you're in a negative mood, it increased people's skepticism. And being in a positive mood, it decreased people's skepticism. And let me just add, before we take a deeper dive here, 
We know mood matters. There's your mood. You could put on that fake smile, but there's subconscious triggers. It comes across. They're not thinking, oh, they're in a bad mood. They just had a fight, but they sense it. You have to be in the right state. The studies are clear that when you're in a good mood and you're feeling influential, you are more influential in their mood. You see, when people are in a bad mood, they recall bad things, why they don't like you, why it's going to fail. They think smaller and they're more skeptical. Thinking about all the things you've done wrong, your past failures in a good mood, people are less skeptical. They think bigger. They think about your successes. Never, ever try to persuade when you're in a bad mood or they're in a bad mood. And this article takes even a deeper dive into accuracy in detecting deception. Bottom line, when people are in a bad mood, they're more skeptical. They're looking for the lies. And so they're better at detecting deception. They cite a study by Bauer and Forgus that positive mood should prime a more positive, trusting evaluation of the message. Negative mood should prime greater skepticism and rejection. So bottom line that there's clear evidence that mood can influence the level of gullibility or skepticism people display when evaluating others. Deciding when to trust and when to be skeptical towards others is one of the most difficult and cognitively demanding tasks. It takes a lot of mental energy that we all face every day. So bottom line, the data did support that positive mood increases people's tendency to accept the veracity of others' communication, meaning when people are in a positive mood, they're more likely to believe you and accept what you're saying is true. But when they're in a negative mood, they're looking for the lies, they're looking for the deception, whether it's true or not. So there you go. Mood matters. In fact, I read a study a while back that they put people in this hotel room and they couldn't see what the weather was. And when they said it was cloudy, that put a damper on their mood and they tipped less. But then when they said it was sunny, just by saying it, they couldn't see it. It increased tips. So there is something about weather, mood, it matters. So bottom line here, when you're in a bad mood or they're in a bad mood, we're looking for the lies. We're looking for something that's wrong. But they're in a good mood. You're looking for the truth. And it actually increases the trust. So that's our geeky, scarly article, which gets us to a listener email. Oh, boy. Remember, you can uh, send me an email, Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com or go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Everything you need there from product, services, trainings, to contact us, whatever you need. Of course, when we use your email on the show, you get the gold version of InfluenceUniversity.com, which is also our special of the week, 60% off when you buy a year and you get a lifetime subscription. So check that out at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. There's our plug for the day. Email Allison from St. Louis. She wants to know if it's ever okay to use deception. We talked about that earlier. The deception, the trickery, the cheating. Is it okay to manipulate? I mean, when you look at manipulation, you have to ask yourself, is it a win-win? Did you reveal all the information that you needed to? It comes back to intent. Why are you deceiving people? So let's talk about deception. If you're crossing the line, these are probably the big ones that people use to deceive. And I don't want you to use these, but to be aware of them, to see if you're crossing the line, the art of deception. We want to be ethical. And here are the big ones that we see out there in the deception world and influence sales world. The first one is false scarcity. This is one of the 12 laws of persuasion. Scarcity, urgency, is abuse, it's overused, but you still need to use it. Too many salespeople just make it up. Oh, yeah, sale ends today. I mean, how often can a furniture store go out of business? I mean, really. Scarcity, when it's used the right way, can change the game for you. 
You've seen the orbits or places where you buy airline tickets. Only three seats left at this price. You're like, what? Or Hotels.com. You know, there's seven people looking at this exact place right now, this exact hotel. (laughs) They don't say what date. So there is some gray area there that people do it. But don't make things up. Have honor in the profession and what you're doing. Here's the key to scarcity, to use it the right way so you don't cross into the deception world. You don't have to lie. Make sure it's believable. And that means tell them the why. Why it's scarce. Why the contract's only good for two weeks. Why does the sale end today? Let them know why. So make sure it's believable. They know the why. It's legitimate. You're not making things up. And buffer it with some type of reward. That seems to be the key with scarcity now that yeah, the sale ends today. But if you do it today, I can give you an extra 1,000 minutes. I can give you an extra coaching section. I can give you fill in the blank. So believable, legitimate, and offer some type of reward. Here's one hidden fees or costs. I hate this one. When you book online this hotel, you think you got a great deal. You see this in Vegas all the time. And then you get there, there's a resort tax. Well, I don't want a resort tax. They don't tell you. You have to pay an extra, what, 20 bucks a day? Oh, but you get free internet. I don't want your free internet. So people withhold information, additional fees, charges. This is what car dealerships do. Oh, well, you have to add this and you do this and you have to add this. And and all of a sudden it's 5,000 more than you expected, but they get you in there with the low cost and then they just hit you with these fees. And it's interesting with cars. If I'm in a seminar, I'll ask people to raise their hand if they've bought more than one car from a dealership. And it's very rare (laughs) because they'd use some of these where they're adding hidden fees and costs. They're doing this, they're getting you there. You just want to get out of there, but you never come back when you get these hidden fees. You might pay them once, but then you never go back. Airlines do this too, especially the discount airlines. Like, oh, here's your seat. Oh, you want a pillow. (laughs) Oh, you want food. Oh, you want to check in a bag, ding, ding, ding. And after a while, it just gets old. Cruises do that too, (laughs) where you get in this bargain price and then you're adding this and doing this. You pay triple based on adding it in. So be careful with that. You got to be very careful on how you use that, that they don't feel like you're making things up, that there's these hidden fee and costs and just cha-ching, cha-ching after a while, people just walk. Or if they don't walk, they just don't come back. In fact, that's an interesting thing. I put uh, Saturn, if you remember that car, they don't make them anymore, but they became very profitable very fast. And it wasn't the quality of the car. It's everyone paid the same price. Everyone's coming with their gloves is ready to negotiate because that's what they're used to. Like, no, everyone pays this price. This is what everybody pays. And that was refreshing. Instead of going through the hassle and the upsells and the hidden fees and the costs and the bait and switch, which is the next one where people advertise a specific product, they bring people in, and then they try to sell them something different. It's more expensive. Supermarkets kind of do this like during Thanksgiving times where there's a loss leader, where the turkeys are really inexpensive. You go there for the turkey, it gets you in the door. But then if you want the other stuff for Thanksgiving, the stuffing's more expensive than normal, kind of a bait and switch. But this is the one where they get you in on one thing. Car dealerships do this too, where the really cheap car and they get you in the door, but then it's gone, it's been sold, or there's something else they want to show you. Now, it's okay to upgrade people, but if they feel like it's a bait and switch, that what they thought was getting is not appropriate for them, that could be your anti-suasion, have the opposite effect. Another form of deception, big complaint, is misrepresentation of features and benefits. 
So if you tend to exaggerate, lie, misrepresent the features and benefits or the capabilities, what your product or service does, or make it look more desirable, this can uh, mislead people. Now remember, with the internet out there, hopefully you've heard of the internet, that over 90% of the people have researched you, your product or service, they know what's going on. And nothing's worse than when you know more than the person trying to sell you something. Or you know more about the car than the person selling you the car. So you have to be careful. People know more than you or they've researched you. And if you're making things up, you're misrepresenting. Oh, sure, it'll do that. And it doesn't. That crosses the line to deception. And it's interesting, as we talked about trust on the podcast, that it's okay to reveal a weakness. It actually increases trust to where, no, it can't do that. This product can do that to know your competitors. So if you could reveal a minor weakness and turn it into a strength that increases trust and credibility, that's part of it. If everything's too good to be true, even if it is true, they're going to find something that's wrong. So it's okay to reveal a weakness. Let them know what your competitor does. The pluses and minuses, people do appreciate that. Another deception complaint is limited time offers. That's close to the scarcity one where you're just making it up. The discount's only good for today. They have to make a decision right now. Basically backing people into a corner. It has to be done now. It's not going to be available tomorrow. That could cross the line, especially if you're making things up. Another deception complaint is aggressive upselling. When you're using force, intimidation, old school closing tactics, felt like they were being backed into a corner. It works every once in a while. You see this a lot of times when people feel like they're not going to be coming back. They're never going to see them again. They have nothing to lose. Car dealerships we're talking about a lot today. Now, not all car dealerships are bad. There's some really good car dealerships. I've trained lots of car dealerships, and some are really good, honest, ethical, and some are bottom of the barrel, not so ethical, very deceptive. They're very aggressive, very in your face, very old school. They're the type that close you right when you walk in the door. What do I got to do to get you in a car today? You're going to love how this car handles in the mountains. You're like, well, I don't even know if I want this car. That can definitely be an issue. Along those same lines, using fear-based selling, exploiting people's fears and securities, that if they don't do this, their loved ones aren't going to love them anymore. <laughs> a lot of exaggerations about potential risks, what's going to happen. A lot of manipulation there to get them to make a purchase. So just using fear. Sometimes you see this with life insurance, the fear, you're going to die. This is going to happen. Your family's not going to love you anymore. Just really hitting those emotional buttons in a dishonest, deceptive way. And I'd add to that too, maybe using statistics that are just really scary and not even true. I mean, it might be true with a small portion of the market. There might be a little truth into it. You know this. If you've ever taken a course on statistics, you know pretty much you can come up with any statistic you want. And they use that with a lot of fear-based selling. Another one we see is using social pressure in a negative way. Now, social validation is great. Other people doing it, four out of five dentists, 100 five-star reviews. But the negative side of this is social intimidation, social shaming, where you're creating an environment of embarrassment. Or if they don't do it, if they don't buy it, they feel stupid, they're embarrassed, they're shamed about not doing it. I mean, I love good social validation, but with any of these, you can definitely cross the line and be deceptive. Another one is pricing. When you just inflate the price so you can bring it down. I mean, it's not even close. It's not even worth that. It's a deceptive pricing technique to where you go way too high. You get into the insult zone and so you can bring it down. I mean, we see this car dealerships. We see this online where the price is just way out of control. Then they start bringing it down. 
Another complaint in the deception world is faking your expertise or your authority. I mean, authority is a great thing. When you're the expert, when you're accepted as the expert, there's very little resistance. But when you are presenting fake credentials or claiming expertise that you don't have, that you don't have the qualification or experience, I mean, people do it to establish trust and credibility. But if you're making it up, saying you're a doctor, you're not, that you have 20 years experience, but you only have two it's very misleading, very deceptive, very inaccurate. That's really crossed the line where you're just making things up that you are the expert, that you have the experience, that you have the degree. And that's one of the reasons trust is an all-time low, credibility is an all-time low. You do have to earn it. You can borrow it from other people if you need to. Meaning if you only have two years experience, you can say our company has 50 years experience. But that comes back to what I call the persuasion pitfall to where a lot of people use these and don't realize that it's backfiring them. For example, you go to a furniture store, someone pushes a little too hard, they're in your face, they're using their closing skills, and you're feeling a little you know, intimidated, maybe backed into a corner. What do most people say? Well, I'm just looking, I'll come back later. The reality is you're never coming back, but here's the pitfall is that store owner, sales manager, the salesperson doesn't know why you're not coming back that they pushed a little too hard. They were a little intimidating, or maybe they came across as deceptive. Another interesting one, unfair comparison, meaning comparing a product or service to an inferior alternative to make it appear better than it actually is. We see this in real estate. If you want to buy a house for $500,000, let us say, and that's your budget, the real estate agent that comes set up properties is going to show you a bad house. It's $500,000, bad neighborhood. It's just a dump. Then they show you the one they really want you to buy that's 500000 in a nicer neighborhood. And it looks five times better because they had this setup property, this junky property. Have you seen this with cars? They show you a junky one. <laughs> and then the car they want you to buy looks a lot better. So that does cross the line, especially when you're comparing it to something that's not in the same category, maybe different features and benefits. That does cross the line. And final one. Misleading testimonials or reviews, making things up, they're fabricated. I mean, you want to use testimonials, have a positive perception of your product or service. But when you're making things up to influence customers' opinions, using fake testimonials, that does cross the line. I mean, we love testimonials. We love the social validation. I mean, people always believe someone else before they believe you. We know that, but you can't make them up or provide misleading or edit them in a way to where it's misleading or not even true. Again, I want to use testimonials. It changes the game. In fact, it changed the game for me. When I finished my first book, you know, I was at the publisher, went to the bookstore back when they had bookstores and I watched people, they would look at the front of the book. They wouldn't open, they'd look at the back. And I'm like, what are they doing? They're looking at testimonials. I'm like, oh man, I better get some testimonials. And I went big. I got uh, Mark Victor Hansen, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Robert Allen of Multiple Streams of Income, and Nothing Down, Brian Tracy, who's written probably over 100 books on success, and Stephen Covey of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Now, I want to say it was the content of the book that got me on the bestseller list, <laughs> but it was the names on the back that made the biggest difference for me, and you can do that. But not the misleading ones, you can get the right testimonials. So don't cross the line. Be more aware of people are doing it to you so you can detect that deception. But you have to understand with anything, as we've talked about, you can cross the line. So be honest, be ethical, reveal what you need to, comes back to your intent, run away from those that are using some of these techniques. 
and ask yourself, are you using any of these? Are you crossing the line? Are your prospects running from you that you're never seeing again? So thanks for being here. Tell your family, friends, and enemies about the podcast. Go to Spotify, iTunes, MaximizeYourInfluence.com, Google, and YouTube, all under Maximize Your Influence. So take something today and do the opposite. <laughs> don't deceive. Don't intimidate. Don't back people into a corner. You can do it the right way. So master these skills. Become a better negotiator. Don't deceive. Become more influential, a better leader, and go out and persuade with power.